Hey friends, you're listening to Go Home Baba, You're Drunk, an irreverent media podcast. First Corinthians warned you about the women with a loud mouth, and this podcast is just that. Here at the Speaking in Church podcast, we talk all about the regular people and the things that regularly happen to them in the evangelical church. It's a podcast about change, it's a podcast about seeking moral high ground, and it's a podcast for people who are just trying to deconstruct on the safe side. You can listen wherever you get your podcast, and if you want to be a guest, yes, you, regular person, you can be a guest on the Speaking in Church podcast. If you want to come on, just let us know. Welcome to Go Home Bible, You're Drunk. My name is Justin. I am one of your hosts this evening. I am a former pastor, seminarian, and all around not Christian any longer. Um, I'm joined this week by my lovely co-host. Hey, everybody. I'm Tori, also uh, no, no longer a Christian. And um yeah, but apparently I still read the Bible for fun. Well, because it's fun. I, well, it's funny. I don't yes. know if it's fun, but it's funny. <laughs> There's a difference. Um, yeah, so dropped out of out of Bible school, and um, now I'm functionally an atheist, I suppose, and uh, it's great. But still, still reading the Bible and still kind of adjacent to white evangelicalism because apparently I believe in self-flagellation as like penance for all of my time spent proselytizing. <laughs> nice. we're, we're, like, we are. we're anti-proselytizing and, now. <laughs> like you need to punish yourself for that shit. And we have somebody with us. Yes, Yay, we do. We have a guest. Uh, hi, guest. Hi. How are you? My name is Mason Meninga. I'm glad to be the token Christian on this podcast. This yeah, is exciting. Yeah. Hell yeah. Have we had any Christians on the show, Justin? Uh, no. <laughs> wow. Look at diversity. I love to see it. I, yeah, I, now that I think about it, no, we, <laughs> we haven't caught anyone in the Christian phase of their deconstruction yet. <laughs> Um, this is amazing. Yeah, this is amazing. So, Mason, please tell us about this religion of yours. <laughs> yeah, well, this mighty, mighty religion. Well, it's it's super unknown. Nobody's ever heard of it. It hasn't caused any problems in the world ever. Yeah, let me be clear about that. Uh, <laughs> no, do you want me to say a little bit more about who I am and what I yes, do? Yes, tell yeah, us all the things. Tell us about yourself. Yeah. yeah. So one of the things that I do in the world is I host a podcast called People's Theology, which is on the same collective as uh, Go Home Bible, You're Drunk, uh, the IMG collective. And uh, shout out to IMG. They're so wonderful, irreverent media group. And uh, yes, yeah, so that's one of the things I do. I also am a seminarian, just like, well, you, you still are a seminarian, right, Justin? I was. I graduated. 
It was, was, was. So I actually currently am a seminarian. I did my MDiv at a school and now I'm doing another master's degree at a different seminary. So uh, I am very stuck in that world. And so that's one of the other things I do. And I actually work at the seminary I am a student at. And uh, what else do I do in the world? I don't know. Um, I send me good memes. I send you good memes. I use three-in-one shampoo and I occasionally, I don't know. I occasionally read the Bible. To be mm. You are one of the few people that can consistently make me cringe on Twitter. Um, that really? Is, yeah, it's qu- it's that, quality. That is a gift. I will like, it's like, Ooh, Oh, Oh, like, but, of- but it's, it's- are you like, like, yeah. Oh, I wouldn't even go that low. Like this is watching a train wreck happen. Is, yeah, that, is that your reaction? I don't, to I, don't I don't know. It's it, it's a pleasurable sensation. I I'm sure there's a German word for it, but I <laughs> I it's it's like a ooh. I I don't like what I'm seeing, but I kind of like it. I'm going to pay attention to this now. So you, the Twitter game is very good. Well, I try. Actually, that's how we all met. I mean, Pretty, I, I initially yeah. met and became yeah. very good friends with Tori through Twitter. I still remember the tweet that I tweeted that Tori followed me and we instantly became like best friends. And here yeah. we are like going on, I don't know, probably like what, four years now, something like that, so. something, yeah, like, something that. like that, uh, at least four years probably. And here we are still like the best of friends. And then Justin yeah. got roped along and now Justin yes. and I yeah. have been able to connect over CrossFit. Yeah. Speaking of okay. cult. Speaking of cults. That, that's the other cult I'm Anity. a part of. Yeah. CrossFit. Catholicism. I don't know. Like I'm trying to think like things that are cults. I will say CrossFit's really funny when you are a pastor or even in Christian spaces and you say you do CrossFit, like Christians that don't know are like, oh, is that like a religious um workout <laughs> program? Like, no, that's that's not at all. Kind of like Christian, but kind of is. It is a little it's a I mean, lifestyle. It, it is a lifestyle for sure. Um there was like a Jesus workout or something. I, I went to a CrossFit one time that was owned by a Christian he, and he was a great guy, but he every Easter would do like a Jesus workout and it was awful. Ew. It was, it Ew, was, you so get nailed to a cross or what? It, it, so you basically, you had to do like all these crazy, like barbell carries and lunges and just, it was insane. It was an awful, awful workout that I would usually quit halfway through and be like, Jesus already did this. I don't need to do it. That's, that's <laughs> my theology. Like, that's my theology is that I'll do 20 minutes of this and then I'm walking because Jesus paid it all. So, <laughs> right. Um, so, um, so that's, that's Mason yeah. and us. And, and for those of you that didn't know, for those of you that didn't know I was in CrossFit, I feel like I did a really good job of going about 20 episodes and not mentioning it. I will say that. Wow. See, that's so, a record for anybody. Pretty you also must not anybody. be a vegan, too. Right. I was going to say. I, I am not. No I'm not veganism. a vegan. Yeah. No, we're not vegans. Uh, and I do. I do the CrossFit. And now you I know will I'm say it does look like Justin is like on the verge of an aneurysm. So like 20 episodes really was his limit. Because yeah. he was ready health, to break out. Was, I, was yeah. like, I was like, oh, let me tell you about Fran. Um, <laughs> Fran, I, fuck Fran. <laughs> I, it, it, you want a little like shameless plug right now, uh, yeah, oh, Justin? I actually, yeah. nobody yeah. else is probably going to get this. I actually did Fran once 
And I was like in like in terms of my time, I was like up there with like the elites. Nice. Um, I went, I'm not going to say I was like a world record, but I did Fran once. And that's not to say that I was going to go to the CrossFit games or anything because no. I couldn't lift up heavy shit, but I could do workouts like Fran. Like yeah. really well. Yeah. yeah. Friends, it's it is and anymore. I cannot do that anymore. Let me let me add that. At one point in my life, I could do a workout like Fran real well. I don't yeah, I don't know how long it's been since I've done a Fran. And if I never do it again, I'll be I'll be that would be great. Yeah, that'd be a life well lived. So it's a lot like a lot like communion, Fran and communion. If I never do those (laughs) things again, like yep, I'm good with it. I'm good with it. I'm good. Um, so let's uh Let's switch gears off of CrossFit. I could talk about CrossFit for an hour and a half. Yeah, let's talk about abortion now. Okay, you guys, you guys know this is now a CrossFit podcast. I don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) Go find a new story about CrossFit that that doesn't include racism or sexism. That's going to be hard. Speaking of killing ourselves. (laughs) Speaking, yeah. Murder. Um, uh, So... Uh, this week in evangelicalism, we're going to just continue covering the fun developments in Texas. Um, but this one actually is fun, I think. Um, it's kind of, it, at least for me, it's that perfect level of like trolling that mm-hmm. I really love. Um, for one, they, this snitch site, the the Texas government has put up, they can't get this thing to work to save their lives. It's hilarious. Beautiful. Um, because they're getting these denial of service attacks. There's people that are flooding it with false information. They're getting, you know, internet or uh, hosting sites are denying them hosting privileges because they violate their terms of use. This this is the work it's of- stalking? It's stalking? It's, it's enabling like menacing and stalking and violence? Is that yeah. why it violates their terms of use? Yeah, it's, I mean, it's pretty clear oh. violation of terms of use. Um, and so huh. that's that's fun. I enjoy that. I, but also, I did want to talk the a little snitch bit. Snitch site or the the snitch site. That's the site where people can report if somebody I saw an abortion. An abortion. I saw, I saw someone who was three weeks pregnant. Yeah, I saw someone that I at an abortion clinic. Well, they were in an Uber. I will say the distinction is the the distinction that has been made is that we're not reporting the women getting abortions. They're reporting anyone involved in the facilitation of that abortion. Yeah. But which which is is the doctor, but it's also like the Uber driver that takes her to the facility. Like it's pretty much anybody um, mm-hmm. you can put down. And Are get them podcasters safe? I, you know, no, I, pro- I, I don't think so. We're I enabling think, abortions. Yeah, I'm sure Tori right and I are on the list in Texas. Um, <laughs> we, we've made it. Um, but I, I do find it interesting. An angle I wanted to approach was the angle that the Satanic Temple is taking. Um, and I do say this satanic temple, not the church of Satan. There are, there are two very different organizations. The satanic temple is a religious organization on paper, but is more focused on activism in religious spaces. And as I've been following the coverage, I've been learning that if people join the satanic temple, uh, they get a lot more leeway in their ability to get an abortion in Texas or the potentially the legal legalities are still working out uh, because abortion is apparently a sacrament in the you satanic temple. So are they arguing that it's religious discrimination yes. not yeah. to be able to? They're, they're arguing that it is, it is one of their tenets is that the body is in, inviolable and subject to one's own will alone. And so what they're arguing is that we should have an exemption from this 
law because it violates our religious tenets. And I've only seen like people on like TikTok or Twitter or something saying they're joining the satanic temple. I just find it interesting that these conservative Christians are passing these laws and they are functionally growing the satanic temple uh, in response. And so I wanted to talk about that today. The nuns group is just shrinking because there's so many people joining the satanic yeah. temple. It's a bunch of TikTokers. <laughs> I love it. I think this is, I mean, okay, obviously I'm, I'm obsessed. You know what's this. funny? Like it's not all that different than like the early church. <laughs> What, murdering babies? So the the early church grew in part because there were so many people who were oppressed, you know, by the Roman Empire and Christianity, the early Christians before Constantine and all that bullshit, the early Christians actually offered a place for people to like be fed and to like actually have safety and to, you know, if they were ostracized from the Roman Empire, Christians, early Christians were the people that would like welcome those people. And so it's kind of funny, like the satanic temple is really like, kind of like what, at least from my perspective, kind of like a little early church right now. They're like, they're taking all the people who are like, kind of really, really could use to be a Satanist right now. (laughs) Yeah, I, I do find it funny. I was thinking about this, you know, just even from an evangelical perspective, you know, they say that Satan masquerades as an angel of light. And so I'm wondering if sometimes Jesus masquerades as the Prince of Darkness. Yeah. <laughs> Hello, Angel of Death, right? Egypt, yeah. kill all the firstborn. Jesus clearly masquerades as the Angel of Death. He, he moonlights as yeah. the Angel of Death in <laughs> Egypt and other places like Texas, where we should kill all of the firstborn in retaliation. According to the Bible, this is not this is not my belief. The Bible yeah. says that. Yeah. Know. Abortion I mean, is fine as long as it's the firstborn, right? Yes. Yeah, I think so. That's theologically sound. That that makes sense to me. That's why that's why Cain killing Abel was fucked up because it was supposed to be Cain who was. Oh, all right. Wow. Yeah, I think if Abel killed Cain, it would have been fine. None of the problems we've had in society would have happened. I was a firstborn baby, so same, same. You know, I'm an only child, so you know. The older I get, the more I'm like, meh. Like I, I like, I fucking love my kids. I have an amazing life, frankly, but um, yeah, the older I get, the more I'm just like, I used to think that like, oh man, like, yeah, I would have been so sad if my parents had aborted me. And I'm like, no, I'm like, no, you oh, wouldn't. Nope. I wouldn't you, be sad. I'd be just fine. You would not know. Because I wouldn't be. And it would be awesome. And I wouldn't be living through um, the planet burning up because a couple of people wanted to make some money. <laughs> Yeah, and that's that's the funny like the arguments I hear from uh, evangelicals is, is that like, well, aren't you glad that your mom didn't abort you? And I mean, on a certain level, sure I am, but if she did, I I wouldn't know. <laughs> like that that seems to be a pretty good argument. Like so, I well, no, but you'd be in heaven. I think that's what they're thinking, right? Is that your soul would go to heaven and then you'd have which isn't that the point anyway? And pissed off at your mom because she like made the wrong decision and you like wanted to be on earth so that you yeah. could like I would whatever. I would be petty enough to be like tapping my foot at the pearly gates <laughs> to be like, hey, you you were supposed to be here first. Um you like, know, if I, I was an aborted baby and I was in heaven, I would like very much like flaunt that shit. Like I would have been the, <laughs> the, the baby in heaven that's like, that's right, bitches. I was the aborted one. 
I'm more sinless than Jesus. Like, that's right. I wasn't even born. Yeah. It's literally true. Yeah. So I I am less sinless than Jesus. So back off. I I, I wonder, they probably at least get a keychain or something. (laughs) (laughs) They get a little tattoo. You gotta get a little tattoo. A little tattoo. I was in a board of like a heavenly angel. So it's just a bunch of eyeballs and feathers. That's how you know you're a little heavenly <laughs> angel for the Lord because you've got aborted. Nice. We are nice. so fucked. Yeah. I think we're already drunk <laughs> for sure. Um, we're bad but, people. But I, I mean, I do, I do think it is, I, I think it underscores how ridiculous this law is that there are so it, the loopholes are easy to get around. And the, the weird thing about this law, even watching Governor Abbott talk about it was like it's almost like he didn't understand what six weeks meant or and doesn't at least yeah so he doesn't even know what six inches means Mm. (laughs) oh ouch mason nice nice. he's never seen six inches in his life (laughs) 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 no dick shaming we love small dicks on this show yeah for sure that's Uh, right represent but Mm -hmm. it's it's an insult that would bother governor abbott true uh, that's so fair. that's you know that's it applies why to him and him alone yes just him uh, yeah that's yeah him. i just find this whole thing interesting and i think it's going to be it's been challenged already by the justice department i don't even know how long the law will actually last um but it's uh i, I think it evangelicals have not let up on this issue i think it's it's not been polling well but it doesn't mean that it's still not high on the agenda much higher than you know taking care of people in a pandemic or anything else um, is making sure trans kids pee in peace so following them around yeah. we have lots of pandemic priorities right now yeah a lot of snitch a lot of snitch sites apparently snitch based <laughs> snitch based politics for everyone yeah. this sounds like this sounds like something that we were told was really terrible growing up i can't i'm trying to put my finger yeah. on what it was but we were told that like everybody turning each other in was, yeah. was something that was, you know, something that we weren't supposed to do as Christians because we believe in freedom and we're not, is it communism? Was that the one? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. And, and secret police, like Nazis mm-hmm. and stuff. Obama. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Obama. And Obama. Yes. Uh, yeah. True. It's all it's Obama's fault. I, I do. I think it's interesting that evangelicals, I, you can almost map it. The thing that they say they're mm-hmm. against the most within a few years, they will be absolutely for um, you know, they talked about, talked all the time about Obama. Obama was a fascist. Obama didn't respect the rule of law. Obama, you know, all these executive orders. Da, 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 da. And then they then they elect Trump, who was probably the closest thing, at least in my lifetime, to a fascist. Accidentally, I think. Right. Like know. he's just like not used to following norms. <laughs> like, <laughs> like it's not a like. And 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 thank goodness we had an idiot fascist for our Amen. like first one. Um, cause if you had been calculating and intelligent, he would definitely still be president and we would definitely be in a fascist state. Here's a, and here's what's funny. He like appointed people who were the intelligent fascist. Yes. And yes. even them were like, oh my God, if he was just smarter, we could have <laughs> like done the things that we really wanted to do. Yes. Yeah. So, so I mean, that, that's, you know, a good thing, I guess, like, um, you know, it's, it's kind of like what Tori, you've said, uh, this was several months ago about like. All oh, racism's out of the woodwork now. Like that's not right. actually a good thing. Right. Um, but it, I guess it's kind of 
not not a good thing, but it's a it's a it's nice, I guess, that our first fascist in my lifetime wasn't moron. Um, let's let's hope for more moron. The silver lining, Justin. Yeah, the yeah, silver, silver lining of fascism. Yeah, that's the name of my memoir. Yeah, nice. The silver lining of fascism. So, so we're gonna About we're gonna aborted. we're gonna segue away from that to a lighter topic: uh, drinking. And storytelling. So we're going to do a drinking game today. Tori, did you want to do the drinking game or did you want me to do it? Well, I mean, I feel like in this episode, once again, we are going to be talking a lot about dicks. Mm-hmm. So I feel as like one does. As, as one, one does, does when they read the Bible and I don't know. Uh, so maybe, yeah, I don't know. Jesus or Jesus little, little baby dick is what we're talking about and how... Yeah. Certain certain religious groups are really invested in what um, in the genitals of small children. Mm-hmm. Not sure why. So different weird. Places, so different times, but like there seems to be a theme here. Just saying. So whenever there's weird dick stuff, take a weird drink. Weird dick stuff. Okay. But I mean, all dicks are weird, right? So I mean, anytime the, there's dick stuff. In their in their own way, yes. <laughs> I don't know if that's always true. Like, if if you gave me like a picture of a hundred dicks, I don't know if I would be able to pick mine out. Okay, it's fair. Like that's how. Like there, I feel like there are very like mediocre run of the mill dicks, and I think I might have one of those where you just like, like well, whatever. That's uh, that's a dick, I guess. And I would, I would, I would probably, I'd be able to like, "Mm, I think maybe that one, but I don't know. Oh my God, maybe we have to do this. Okay, start your start your thing because we are completely off the rails and we're oh my like gosh. five minutes in. This is what happens when all three of us are drinking. Um, so Drunk. we are going to okay. take a little bit of a break from uh, Bible stories specifically. And we're going to talk about a an obscure, not obscure, um, a- Some Christian history. Some Christian history. We're going to get into the little Christian history. Yeah. With with our theologian, seminarian, Christian friend, uh, Mason, he's going to take it away, tell us a little story, and then we're just going to talk about the things we talk about. Yeah, so it is a, a little story. Wow. <laughs> wow. Uh, Again, no dick shaming, no dick shaming. We're baby Jesus. We're talking, we're talking about a specific person, no dick shaming. Yeah. Um, so like Justin said, I am a seminarian and here's the thing. I'm like the kind of seminarian, this probably matters to no one else, but to me it matters. I don't really like the Bible all that much. Like I, I like reading it. I find it really interesting and it's great in a lot of ways, but I'm not like the kind of Christian who's like, I want to study the, bri- the Bible. I didn't go to seminary to study the Bible. I'm like more interested in like church history. I'm more interested in like general theology and whatnot. So that's all the world that I'm in. But the Bible stuff, I'm like, eh, could we like do something different? And Justin was like, yeah, sure. Do whatever you want to do. And so I was like, I can think of some weird, obscure type stories about church history or theology that you're like, what? Okay. So there's not really much to this story. However, there is an old mystic. She's from the Middle Ages, you know, the time where they would like, you know, cut people with swords and you know the you know the monty python type middle ages um or you know whenever your grandparents grew up like that type of middle ages um so anyway in those middle ages there was a woman mystic named saint catherine of siena okay 
And the thing with St. Catherine of Siena was, as a woman mystic, she was supposed to be celibate, which she probably was in real life. But she wasn't necessarily spiritually celibate. And let me explain why. She would often talk about her mystical visions with Jesus in like super erotic ways. I mean, like the most detailed of ways, like the kind of things where if you read her visions with Jesus, you'd be like, this is straight up porn. Like this is like, like I'm not into like word porn. I'm sure there are people who like read stories, whatever that's called. Like people read stories and that's not, that's not my thing. But for St. Catherine of Siena, that was definitely her thing. And so she would talk about all these stories with Jesus in very erotic ways. And in fact, at one point in her life, she said that Jesus was her husband. And the way that she knew that Jesus was her husband was that she claimed that she had the ring, the wedding ring, of Jesus himself. And not only was it a wedding ring, just a generic wedding ring, it was made of Jesus's foreskin. Now, if you remember from the Bible and just like knowing Jewish history, you know, Jesus was Jewish, therefore he definitely was circumcised, okay? Mm-hmm. So his little like eight, I think it was eight days, right? Yeah. Eight days. Eight days. Mm-hmm. Eight, eight days. Eight yep. days when Jewish people get circumcised. Jewish, Jewish, uh, yeah, people with Jewish people with penises get circumcised. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Jesus was one of those people, so he got circumcised at eight days. That's probably just my estimation. A pretty small dick. It's a pinky ring. It's a pinky ring, and she claimed to have worn it, and to her. That was her wedding ring. I mean, I don't know how many of you out there are married and have had wedding rings, but you usually put that on like a bigger finger, like your ring finger or whatever. But she was wearing Jesus's little baby dick foreskin as her wedding ring. And she is like to this day, well, she's not li- like alive, but like to this day, the Catholic Church, which that's what she was a part of, like claims that's what. St. Catherine of Siena wore. Mm-hmm. And even like other Christians since then have like claimed like, no, we have the foreskin of Jesus Christ. So not only was St. Catherine of Siena claiming that she wore Jesus's foreskin as her wedding ring to Jesus, but also the entire church for years and years and years has claimed to have the foreskin of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And to me, this is like, what in the world? I even like tweeted out today. You know, it's funny that there's this kind of joke around a lot of worship, modern worship songs about how they're kind of like Jesus is my boyfriend type of songs where the you, the the you that's described in those songs, you're kind of like, wait, is that is that a boyfriend or is that God? Is that Jesus? Like who who is the you that you're talking about in these worship songs? So those songs often get described as Jesus is my boyfriend type songs evangelicals eat that shit right up but saint catherine of siena went a step further she's like fuck that jesus is my boyfriend shit jesus is my fucking husband and you want to know what my proof is here's his fucking foreskin on my fucking i don't know pinky finger or maybe wedding finger or ring finger they 
were so small anyway, people back then. It's fine. I, yeah, they were small. I imagine so anyway, the, that the foreskin of Jesus is mystical in some way. That it's it's like the fair. it's like it's like the One Ring. It just kind of it yeah. fits the person that's wearing. It just it. works. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, okay, so does does the Catholic Church still claim to have the foreskin of Jesus Christ? I'm very curious because they that was the thing that they went with for a while. Because um, it was like it was like a what do they call like the relics or whatever yes yeah it's one of the like, original like, relics right right so I, it was it was at least for a while they were like yeah this was a thing and then somebody steal it at one point like, probably sure. i mean it has I a it made, has an entire history <laughs> i know I there's probably a book out there that's like the history of jesus's foreskin yeah, I'm sure yeah. someone has done a doctoral work on it. There might be some yeah. Dan Brown book for sure. that has like the and foreskin of Jesus as uh, you know, I I think it like was su- supposedly like Charlemagne had it or something at one point. I don't know what he did with it, but it <laughs> it it is a very curious thing to be this obsessed with something that is it's so small. So small. It's just like, it's like a a chiclet of skin here. And yet we're, why? I, I, I've always, well, because a lot of Catholic traditions really ended up, basically they were pagan traditions that just kind of got, you know, Mm -hmm. the serial Mm -hmm. numbers filed off of them a little bit (laughs) to make them Christian. I love that. First Corinthians warned you about the women with a loud mouth, and this podcast is just that. Here at the Speaking in Church podcast, we talk all about the regular people and the things that regularly happen to them in the evangelical church. It's a podcast about change. It's a podcast about seeking moral high ground. And it's a podcast for people who are just trying to deconstruct on the safe side. You can listen wherever you get your podcast, And if you want to be a guest, yes, you, regular person, you can be a guest on the Speaking in Church podcast. If you want to come on, just let us know. But the obsession with the Jesus foreskin and even sexualizing Jesus, like the, not, I mean, Jesus was sexual. He was, he was a, he's a human being. So he was sexual. Um, However, Marcel also Reed would say something a little different. Oh, well, please enlighten me. Oh, so she's actually one of my favorite theologians. Marcella Outhouse Reed was a Latin American queer liberation theologian, and she died in the early 2000s. And she made this whole argument that Jesus was bi. Now, not necessarily in like a historical sense that like he really was like bi or anything historically. But in terms of a theological point, she made this whole distinction that because he inhabited both humanity and divinity within himself, that made him bi. Uh, and that's like a very like summarization of it. But, you know, anyway, she's a, she like really sexualizes Jesus. This is a thing. Yeah. It's a whole thing. Um, yeah. Cause I'm write a novel about this. Yeah. My the night. life and the life and sex times of Jesus Christ. I'm not sure what I'm going to yeah. call it. I'm that's that that we need to workshop that title, Justin. Yeah, the life and sex, the life and sexy times of Jesus. <laughs> the uh, life and sexting of Jesus. I mean, pagans like like Zeus and and other you know mythologies would have um, 
you know the gods would come and impregnate women and, and in some ways that's that's what mary in the bible kind of too yeah kind of happened and too. mary and the nephilim and well and i think catherine of adam C- in the garden yeah, adam in the garden yeah, <laughs> yeah. um I think Catherine of Siena, I mean, she was raised in a terrible time. I think she was born around the time of the Black Death. Um, So, like, that's awful. And and I think, I don't know, like, I don't know. I wouldn't even wish that on Greg Abbott, you guys. No, no. It was bad times. Wow, the compassion you have, Tori. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Like, I mean, why, like, yeah, what human would wish the Black Death on someone? I, I, it's awful. Thank you. Wow, Um, virtue singling. Like, well, no, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm a good person. I don't want someone to get the black death. Um, <laughs> he already got it. He's got the plague already. Right. He's got the plague. Um, yeah, to, yeah, we definitely need to retire the avoid it like the plague race because um, we don't. Um, <laughs> clearly, like, that doesn't happen. Yeah, clearly. Uh, yeah, you know, sometimes I do wonder if, like, obviously, there's aren't stories that survive, but if there were people that were like, I don't believe in the black death. Uh, <laughs> i ain't gonna get people that were, from what i understand from what i understand people were a little bit paranoid about it right like if you if 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 you in your town like heard about like the next town over everybody's dying off like they would like post up centuries like you couldn't come in or out unless you actually lived there like some places at least were, took it very seriously like just just on like word alone right had never seen anybody dying or suffering I don't know. Anyway, whatever. Bring out your dad. Yeah. Bring, bring out, out your dad. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of Monty Python references <laughs> today. Um, yeah. So I, I, it's almost like I feel like she seemed, from what I've read, to be someone who definitely retreated into her mind. And that's, you know, not a bad thing. And, you know, and, Jesus was a safe haven for her in some ways. And uh, I don't necessarily see that as bad. Um, I I don't know if it's creepier to have an actual foreskin on your finger or to have an imaginary foreskin on your finger. <laughs> I'm not sure which one is stranger. Um, apparently she also had, from what I remember, the stigmata, but it was um, invisible oh. to everyone but her, she said. Yeah. So, like, obviously, very good imagination. Um, Some people will do anything but go to therapy. <laughs> Are you saying she should have just gone to the medieval therapist? <laughs> that would have fucked you up more. Never mind. Yeah, I would think so. The best that she had for herself. So, I guess, I don't know, what theological purpose does this sexual mysticism serve? Oh. In the Christian tradition, I mean, I, I could think of sexual mysticism in other traditions, but in the Christian tradition, what is sexual mysticism? What purpose does yeah, it serve? We don't, ha- we don't have that anymore. Do we have that still? Well, not in a lot of traditions, but I would hope that what it could open up is for people who are Christian to think about their relationship with God, their relationship with Jesus, and their their Christian faith in ways that allow them to think about their sexuality in, and how that impermeates the their Christian faith. I think that would be really helpful and wonderful. Um, I was just talking with somebody last week about, and, and she does a lot of work 
in, in sexuality. And one of the things that I asked her, and she's a Christian, one of the things I asked her was, how does your sexuality actually shape your Christian faith? And so she had a whole answer for that. And I think these sort of examples throughout Christian history, like St. Catherine of Siena, might be helpful for Christians, if you happen to be one of those people, to think through, like, how does our sexuality actually really shape the way that we think about the Christian faith? Again, mm-hmm. if you are a, a Christian person. So I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, I think it, it, it's a helpful example, mm-hmm. but also it seems kind of ridiculous and wonderful. And I don't know. That's why I wanted to bring it up because it's just like mind blowing to me that growing up, I would have never heard something like this. Yet my Catholic grandparents probably definitely knew of St. Catherine of Siena. And not once did they ever talk about the fact that she wore the foreskin of Jesus Christ. Yeah. And, and flaunted it and, and people jived with it. It was not, she was not persecuted for that necessarily. I mean, there might've been some people that, but she had audiences with popes and, you know, she's debatably credited with, um, we're going to get real deep into church history. Uh, when, you know, the, the papacy moved from Rome to France, you know, she is somewhat credited with getting one of the, I think it was Pope Gregory to move back to Rome. Um, and there were some shenanigans that had, a lot of, shena- a lot of shenanigans happened. There's <laughs> been a few of those throughout yeah, church. Been a few. But like, so she, she was not obscure in her time even. And she lived mm-hmm. to like be in her thirties too. Like she died relatively that was, that, early. That was old back then. What are you talking I think, about? I think, she, but I think, early. I think she, fa- I think she fasted herself to death. Oh, yeah, no, she definitely. <laughs> yeah. Like, Oh, no. Yeah, that, that's a light way of putting it. I think there's a more you know current term that we could describe that as, but yeah, that's I, that's um, one way. Of I suppose it. Yeah. that's true. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, I think applying modern psychology to some of these Catholic saints, you can be like, mm, you're definitely disassociating a lot. And yeah. Maybe. Well, can, I, can I give you a hug? Yeah. <laughs> maybe some Zoloft. Yeah. Um, and maybe that's why we don't have mystics anymore because we have Zoloft. <laughs> um. But mystics, I, Justin, what are you talking about? Stop yeah. your mystic erasure. Uh, okay, yeah, we're all mystics in our own way. Um, there you go. But I, I do, I think it's, I think it's fascinating that the church, even though this, I mean, it is kind of weird to be like I carried around the foreskin of Jesus. But I think it is interesting that the church somewhat embraced this idea of her being married to Jesus, and that Jesus would meet her, and they would have some, some very, a very intimate encounter together, and they were kind of cool with that in some ways. Because it was Jesus, I guess. Yeah, right. Like, yeah. Insofar that it's Jesus, we're a-okay with it. <laughs> yeah, we're we're okay if Jesus visits you and has sex with you outside of marriage, because everyone, because everyone, everyone Jesus is married have, to Jesus. Yes, because everyone's Bride married to Jesus. Yeah. She literally, oh. she had his foreskin as Bride a wedding ring, Tori. Yes, yes. yes. <laughs> the bride of Christ. That's what I. Mean. Um, yeah. So they were they were married. That was that was legal marriage back then. Yeah, yeah. that was <laughs> marriage. It was different. Things were different. Yeah, I think it was different then. The nuclear family hadn't been invented yet. True. Uh, <laughs> so I guess for modern Christians wanting to, I guess, more entangle their sexuality in their faith. Hey, there you go. Um, That's fun. What's something that we, but how, how would we do that? Is this Make the, sense. is this Make the application sense. point of the yes, sermon? I think is. so. I think we're moving oh, to application. You know, how, you can, you, you can, this? you can defrock the pastor, but you can't. 
take the pastor out of the, I don't know. You can't defuck the pastor. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You can't. Re- we can't refuck the pastor. Yeah. Uh, uh, I don't know if I really have an application. <laughs> yeah. And that's Other fine. than I thought that's it was great. a really interesting story that people should know about. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, again, like the only other thing I can think of is the fact that, you, you know, Christianity has had a really bad history with sexuality. Mm. Don't get me wrong. But also there are these moments within church history where you're kind of like, well, that's kind of interesting and kind of wholesome and wonderful. And so it's kind of this like complexity that you're kind of wrestling with. And I think at the very least, knowing the fact that the Christian tradition has had not only really, really bad ways and probably predominantly bad ways of thinking about sexuality, but has had these glimpses and moments where sexuality it has been really embraced in really, I think, interesting ways. It's something for people who are, again, who are Christian to wrestle with and think about. And mm-hmm. I think that could be really helpful as people sort of think through, especially for people who are quote unquote deconstructing but are wanting to still remain in the Christian tradition for those people that know that there are examples throughout Christian history, mm-hmm. yeah. even how seldom and how few there might be that there are examples of Christianity sort of embracing, or at least having some sort of representation around sexuality mm-hmm. in more complex ways than we initially realized. And I think oh, yeah. at the very least, knowing that there's an entire tradition that has a lot of bad when it comes to sexuality, but also like a few moments of good. I don't know. Like, I think, mm-hmm. I think like kind of recognizing that and then putting yourself in that tradition to carry on, like, okay, we're going to be, I'm going to be one of those Christians that's going to continue to move Christianity in a way where I say sexuality is important and, and, and worth embracing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I think there are Christian people out there who are, they recognize that. And I, and I think yeah. at the very least, St. Catherine of Siena's story, I think might kind of help us recognize that and move us in that direction. I like that a lot, actually. It feels like it very much opens the door, especially when, when, when you're coming from like an evangelical context, especially, I think, um, just the rightly amount of like body negativity, sex negativity that is in that space. And you are kind of, you're kind of like, siphoned off into this tiny little corner of sexuality and that's all that exists because god doesn't approve of anything else um when sexuality is actually like wildly expansive and um doesn't in any way really conform to the little boxes and binaries that we have tried to put it in true you can tell by people's behavior but you can also tell by like evolutionary biology right like there these things are not these things are not cut and dry black and white like like we were taught and so having i think examples of people who were in the church whose um gender expression or sexual like sexual expression which you know i don't know what what do you call it when your sexual expression is christ um that they existed right that these were people who had they're omnisexual and oh god Oh my God, that sounds horrifying. <laughs> like, why did I think of a Prometheus immediately? Oh, jeez. Um, <laughs> like, fuck. Christosexual. Yeah, yeah, Christosexuals. Yes, I suppose that would be. I'm only um, attracted to Jesus. 
There you go. I mean, you know what? There's enough Jesus to go around. I mean, I I know Tori's taste in men enough to know that she's definitely a Christosexual. There's not a chance she wouldn't fuck white Jesus. Yeah. She might hate him, but she will at least fuck him. Yeah. I mean, and 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 any angel within reach. Yeah. yeah. I mean, consensually. Yes, of course. Uh, Um, Angels are are very big into the consent. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, something. that's definitely what they're known for this is literally what i was going to talk about though right is like building a sexual ethic when you have come out of evangelicalism mm-hmm. can be really yeah. really hard right because we aren't taught ideas like yeah consent we aren't taught ideas like autonomy we aren't taught to respect other people's bodies right we're in fact taught pretty much the exact opposite like if you do not have enough clothes on and you look like a woman you know, whatever happens to you is your fault because you were you were actively inviting that, right? Like your body isn't isn't your body is always unlocked, quote unquote, right? And so anybody can just wander in whenever they want to. Yeah, and he's making a brother stumble. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And and you know, and it, it's not just it's not just for women and people with female bodies, it's literally for like everyone from like birth on, essentially, right? That we kind of that like just the yeah the sexual ethic and the way that the way that evangelicals view children and sexuality is so gross and vile and predatory um and so moving away from that is really kind of freeing and incredible and going like oh like okay if 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 we have consent we can talk about a lot more things here right yeah we don't have to talk about like oh make sure that your your five-year-old isn't wearing a two-piece swimsuit okay and and normalizing like why are you sexualizing a five-year-old motherfucker? Um, getting to a place, this for me when I was leaving evangelicalism was such a like such a freeing and beautiful moment of of going like, oh, this like nothing in this actually, there's no moral consistency in in purity culture and evangelical sexuality um, at all, right? But moving to a sexual ethics based around consent um, and kind of being open to exploring sexuality in that way for me was really kind of incredible thing and i'm a big fan and you know maybe you figure some stuff out about yourself like having a hand fetish or whatever yeah. but um yeah i, I think that moving yeah like moving away from that sexual ethic anything that helps you in that direction in, in my opinion as someone who lived through it anything that helps you move away from that is um it's it's good stuff i would i would go so far as to say god would bless it if you are someone who believes in god but only if you're wearing Jesus's foreskin as your wedding ring. Well, how many foreskins are there, though? Come well, on. but hers he's was, only got one. Hers was invisible, though. I kind of think it's like a quantum thing where it's it, it, multiple places at once. Oh, okay, okay, okay. That makes we're sense. all we're all wearing the foreskin of Jesus. We're all Christmas. The multiverse <laughs> of Jesus's <laughs> yes, foreskin. Yes, yes, yes. Oh God! Yeah. It's not the Infinity Stones. It's the foreskins <laughs> of Jesus. Stop! Um, stop! Make it stop. So, I, well, and I do think it's important too to recognize that there were these uh, patches in Christian history because mm-hmm. I do think people that have left the faith can have a just as much as evangelicals can present a one-dimensional view of sex. I think people that have left or people that were never in it can also have a one-dimensional view of Christian sexuality and mm-hmm. and how sexuality expressed itself. You know, I mean, there were monks that were gay and married to each other. There were, mm-hmm. you know, there and they it was it's patches. I mean, I I am not going to try to put lipstick on a pig, so to speak. Oh, totally. Yeah. And say that it was 
that you know jesus was 100 gay affirming or something or paul was you know right right you know demisexual or whatever i do find it refreshing in some ways that the yeah. this history is a little more multi-layered and mm-hmm. and human sexuality mm-hmm. is is diverse and that diversity is going to come out no matter what theological system you put over top of it yeah. and, and i think that's why it, you know it, if you do have a theological framework great i mean i i think i have a theological framework too i i just don't know that i would call it christian per se um if you do have a theological framework if it doesn't make allowance for difference and allowance mm-hmm. for the divergent and allowance for like oh that's an expression i didn't think about <laughs> um mm-hmm. you know like like catherine of sienna like that's a sexuality i would not have thought about um but you know, I think in given the time she was born in, given the life situation that she was in, I, I don't necessarily think there was anything wrong with that. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, and, and to a certain degree, it probably was really liberating for her, given her oh, context. Yeah. You know, it, it the church in that time and being celebrated in the church in that way gave her access to power, access to autonomy in certain ways. Mm-hmm. the ability mm-hmm. to create communities and, and promote good like she did good things too like she you know helped the poor and other things she was i think she tried to be a dominican or something for a while um so that gave her a, a certain kind of access that she wouldn't have had had she just kind of shoved that down or kind of secretly had sex with jesus at night um and not been a little more open about it um so yeah. I, in, in that way i can i can celebrate her for what she was in that time. I think today, if someone like walked into an evangelical church and was like, I'm wearing an imaginary foreskin of Jesus and he had sex with me last night and I represent his marks, but you don't see them. I would probably direct them to therapy, but that's, that was, that's now. And, you know, Catherine lived then. So it's hard to, it's hard. It's, it's hard to sit in judgment, you know, close to a thousand years later. And be like, she was wrong. She did uh, yeah, you should have found. You should. You should have learned what she thought about the sun. Oh, oh boy! Please, please tell me what she thought about the sun. Thanks, that man. shit rotated around the Earth. Oh, yeah, for real. Um, yeah, like okay, I have to unfollow her now. That's just a bridge too far for me. I can't. I can't. Unfollowing the anti science. I'm like, I'm here for the foreskin, but like, yeah. no, I can't do the. Can't do the. Yeah, it's hard when you predate Galileo. Yes, yeah, yeah, and <laughs> germ theory. She probably she she probably didn't wear a mask during the bubonic plague either. Oh God, that anti-masker Saint Catherine of Siena. Yeah, what a motherfucker. Unfollowing. Getting everybody's, uh, getting everybody's sick. Oh man, <laughs> I no, I like this. I like the church history thing because yeah, there's. There, they've so so much of it has been buried, but there's so much like there's, and Justin, like you said, it's not it's it wasn't the norm, right? And and we're not trying to like try to make it normative when it wasn't, oh, no. right? Because that's historically inaccurate and kind of unfair to the people who were alive then, frankly. Um, but yeah, there are just like these little kind of stories that are tucked away all over the place in in Christian history that are wildly fascinating, and people, um, yeah, being able to have like being respected for who they were in the context that they were in where that was not the norm 
right? Mm -hmm. Where their sexual expression and gender expression was not the norm. Um, And obviously like most people probably felt like they had to hide their sexuality, right? Um, Because it was like, that's for making babies. (laughs) What are you you doing? Um, So yeah, I mean, I think that going, kind of going like, um, but I don't want to say unicorn hunting. That's a totally different thing. That's not, that's not what I was talking about, but like going and looking for these people, these individuals um, in Christian history, I think is actually really fun. And it's, there's lots of them. I'm trying not to bring them up because I don't want to like make it a thing uh, where I'm like, oh, let's talk about all these other people. Right. But it's really, it's really enjoyable when you stumble across them. So I'll say that. Yeah, they definitely exist in every era, these. Mm -hmm. And and, and for a long time, I wanted to try to be one of those people in Christianity, to be someone that that brings. And and I think, Mason, you're doing excellent work um, in trying to be one of those people that that brings up Mm -hmm. these, you know, that Christianity is not one thing. And Christianity can, can be different. Uh, the Christianity of Paul is different than the Christianity of Martin Luther. It's different than the Christianity of a, a contemporary of his, which have been in Calvin. It's different mm-hmm. than John Wesley. Different than you know, yeah. um, the this thing can continually reinvent itself, and we shouldn't be afraid of that. Um, I think that's a good thing. Um, and at the same time, recognizing all the ways that Christianity throughout history has been oppressive to lots of people, and I yes. think we can hold both of those things as true and and yeah. without minimizing yes absolutely like one thing that frustrates me there are some atheists and non-theistic people that you know will look at progressive christians let's say and be like how do you answer for all the awful things that christianity did and if you can't then you're a bad no. progressive christian or something or you you know this is why you need to leave the faith and mm-hmm. i don't jive with that personally because like i'm an american and I can certainly acknowledge all the terrible things America has done, but still have hope that America Wait. can be better. What? Like, yes. I'm sorry. Could you, could you, could you, could you go through into that just a little? Can you expand on that? Cause I'm not sure I'm following. America is racist as fuck. What are you talking like? I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll name it. I'll pull out receipts. I don't care. <laughs> like, no, this, this podcast only recognizes American exceptionalism. Okay? Oh, okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. 20 episodes in pretty sure we haven't said a damn thing good about America. But, <laughs> um, but I, I can acknowledge the things that America has gotten wrong while at the same time yes. saying like, there are some core principles here that I actually mm-hmm. think are good for humans. And I want to try to make it better. And I, want, yeah. and, I, and I want to make sure that they're extended to all people. And I can do the same thing with Christianity as well. I can say, yeah, there was some awful things done in the name of imperialism. Christianity really lends itself to a lot of authoritarian shenanigans. But, you know, there are some teachings of Jesus here that I actually think are good. Um, and I still hold to those myself, even though, like, I think I, I don't claim to be a Christian, I think probably more from a branding perspective than anything else, because it's, and it's hard for me to be like, I'm a Christian, but I'm not that kind of Christian. And then we have to have a 20 minute conversation as to what that means. It's actually just a lot easier for me to be like, I don't claim to be a Christian. Um, and, and maybe that's lazy of me. I, that's fair, but, um, that's where I fall on that. But when I, you're in CrossFit, don't be lazy. True. Don't be lazy. You can't be lazy. You know, explaining you're a Christian is a 20 minute AMRAP that. Yeah, yeah that's just an AMRAP. I was just going to say that's an AMRAP. You just got to suck it up for 20 minutes to explain what kind of Christian you actually are. 
Um, but I do appreciate the people that do have the stamina to do that. Um, I personally am not there, but I, the people that can do that and try to reclaim the Christian faith, man, all power to you. We need that. You're just not going to, you're just not going to go to the Christian games. Yeah. I'm not going to go to the Christian games. You know, yeah. I'm not, I'm not competing anymore. I'm, you're I'm not, really... you're just not going to get sponsored by like, you know, protein powder and Joel Olstein. Yeah. And Joel Olstein, <laughs> but you know, I'm a, I'm a retired yeah. Christ, Christian athlete. Yeah, you're 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 in the master's division. Yeah, in the master's division. <laughs> I actually am. That's the great thing about it. Um, so when uh, we come full circle to CrossFit. So any any kind of uh, final thoughts on Catherine of Siena, Christian sexuality, anything like that? I was just going to say, if you ever look up like any of the paintings of her, I'd fuck her. No. OK, <laughs> oh, nice. Mason, just look it up. She's hot. St. Catherine of Siena? You know. Mason, you tell me. Would I? Would I fuck her? I mean, if you'd fuck white Jesus, which you absolutely would, you'd absolutely fuck St. Catherine of Siena. Sounds good. You know... You'd have that little little habit on of hers? Oh, yeah. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. I think if Catherine of Siena wandered into my dreams wearing just a habit, I would... (laughs) Yeah. You'd be into that. I'd I'd be into that, you know? I wouldn't say no. I wouldn't say no. Would not say no. Um, this is amazing. So, well, let, let's actually let's let's if we're gonna do a Catherine of Siena movie, um, who are you gonna cast as Catherine of Siena? Oh God! So, am I supposed to answer this? I don't watch movies, so I don't. I don't know actors and actresses. Now that you now that you've added yourself as like Catherine of Siena is fuckable, I want to know what actress <laughs> you find attractive. Uh, who's who? Who's that? Uh, Julie, she, she was she was the uh, the mom in the she was the mom in that football movie. Um, it's like Julia Childs or something. What's her name? Nope, Julia, Ch- Julia Childs. I don't know her name. I don't know. I don't. I, don't I literally. I don't pay attention to these people. No, I love. I love that you don't. I love that you don't. I yeah. would. I'm gonna go with Tessa Thompson. On this and I love one. that you said Julia Child. That was who's like, Julia Childs? Why do I know this? Why is that a name that came out to mind? She's like a like a from the fifties. She's like a chef. Um, like a world renowned. Like yeah, one of the most famous. Well, that's not yeah. who I was thinking of. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Who's well, this person? Um, she, she was in. Uh, what God? What? What the you're hell? Gonna, so you're gonna about? say Tessa Thompson? Oh hell yeah! As the, like the actress you'd like to fuck that you want to see play? Yeah, yes, <laughs> obviously. What, what, is, what is the question here again? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna me? say I'm gonna say uh, Haley Atwell for myself. As okay. Okay. Catherine of Siena, even though Haley Atwell is probably too old to play Catherine of Siena because Catherine of Siena died when she was like 30. <laughs> okay, I just looked yeah. it up. Uh, the person I was thinking of was Sandra Bullock. <laughs> oh, nice. A little different than Julia Child. I still Very have different. no idea who Julia Child is. I, 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 I want you to Google Julia Child and Google Sandra so Bullock hard. and put them together. And I just want to. You can tweet that out when, yeah. when we post this. Um, yeah, so I'm going to say Haley Atwell. I think. Uh, <laughs> okay. I think as an actress, I think she's slightly like different. I'm, I'm very well. This. Wow. Julia Childs. What? She was six, two. <laughs> yes. Oh. She's super tall. Yeah. Oh yeah. What the hell? Now, you know, why did I, why did I know that name? I don't because even know why I would know in, that name. It's just like in the national. I don't even think I've ever seen her. I don't even know if I have, have known of her. I you just knew the name. That doesn't, 
This is, see, this is what I tell people all the time. This is how fucking racism works is you don't see it or hear it anywhere, but somehow it's just in your body and it comes out of your mouth. It's just well, Julia Childs is like racism. Yep. <laughs> Tori Ju- said it. Cancel Ju- me, bitches. <laughs> Julia Child is my racism. There's, um, there's your title of the episode. There we go. So great. Um, yeah. So, okay. So we've cast Catherine of Siena. We've done our work for the day. And, you know, Christian sexuality, Christians can be sexy. I I think so. Yeah. Um, We've been there. Yes. We're there. Uh, Agreed. I mean, have you seen Mason? Come on. Christians can be sexy. That is true. Well, I'm pulling a lot of weight here. I think, I think Mason's also (laughs) monogamous. So like, don't, don't slide into his DMs or anything. (laughs) Okay. Consent is a thing. I will, as a straight man, I will. Oh, actually I haven't stayed out of mason's dms yeah, I, was, I was gonna say yeah. i know that you're in mason's DMs. i'm in mason's dms mason where can people find you um or where do you want to be found what indeed oh god well hopefully i'm not found in a ditch or something but uh you can find me at masonmenega.com m-a-s-o-n-m-e-n-n-e-n-g-a.com and that's you know kind of a little good go-to uh, i am on twitter at mason Menega. And I'm also on Instagram at Mesa Menega. And so if you're interested in following me, you can definitely follow me. And I also have a YouTube channel, which I am like next week going to start making YouTube videos again, but I have a few videos already up. And uh, yeah, if you just search my name on YouTube, you should be able to find me pretty quickly. I'm kind of pretty easy to find. So just search my name on Google if you wanted to and you can find me and- uh, It'll come up, you know. Yeah. There's, there's only two Mason Menegas in the world. One who looks like he owns a lizard and the other is me. I'm definitely the worst of the two, but still it's pretty easy to know which one you're t- trying to follow. Yeah, yeah. Okay. got it. Uh, so not lizard Mason. Not lizard owning Mason Menega. Yeah. Yeah. If, right. if he looks like he owns a lizard, not the Mason Menega you're looking for. Got it. <laughs> Uh, this is a go home Bible. You're drunk. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at go home Bible. Uh, if you are able to, uh, support us financially, we would love for you to head on over to Patreon. Uh, there's patron benefits as well as ad free episodes and such patreon.com slash go home Bible. If you can't do that, that's fine. Giving us a five-star review on Instagram is not Instagram. My goodness. Don't do that. Wow. Didn't know Apple, they were doing that. Apple podcast. Uh, Apple or podcast. Or I can't. I can't Google think. Or all the yeah, all the places. No. All of the places. Five star reviews uh, only. I mean, you can um, pop. You can pop over to Instagram and follow us and just like leave five stars for no reason in the comments. Like that's cool. That would be great as well. Yeah. Um, Do it. Why not? So yeah, that's where we are. That's where Mason is. We're gonna sign off for the day and hope you have a great week. Love you all. Foreskin. Foreskin. Mm, yes. Awesome. Bye. All right. Bye.
1 Corinthians warned you about the women with a loud mouth, and this podcast is just that. Here at the Speaking in Church podcast, we talk all about the regular people and the things that regularly happen to them in the evangelical church. It's a podcast about change. It's a podcast about seeking moral high ground. And it's a podcast for people who are just trying to deconstruct on the safe side. You can listen wherever you get your podcast, And if you want to be a guest, yes, you, regular person, you can be a guest on the Speaking in Church podcast. If you want to come on, just let us know.